Love and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Wooschuk. I'm here with my special guest, Janae. I'm going to let you say your name. I try to do this before the show and I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hi, I'm Janine Hamner-Holman. I don't know why I'm having problems with Janine today. I'm looking at it. It doesn't look like Janine. I think that's what it is. <laughs> so you do a little bit of everything. So what came first for you? Uh, what came first for me actually was um, I started out a hundred years ago as a grassroots community organizer. And so the work that I'm doing now on diversity, equity, and inclusion really feels like coming home through a different door. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, that's where I started. Now, how did you get into the grassroots everything? Community organizing. Um, so I grew up um, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And and my folks made a big deal out of, because I was being well-educated, because I happened to be born white, because I happened to be born in the U.S., because um, neither of my parents came from any money, but my dad had a successful career. All of that meant that I had privilege and I had to give back. I could make that manifest in my life however I wanted, but their request was that I take it seriously. And so the first thing I did after college was working in uh, the Bed-Stuy community of Brooklyn, New York. And this was in the mid 1980s and it was a rough and tumble place back then. Um, and I was one of the only white people in an all black neighborhood and working on changing public schools. Um, and so what that there, we need to do now is change the right? like, man, <laughs> 40 years later, almost we're still working on it. 30 years. I don't know. However many years later it is long time. Right. Right. We still don't have a handle on it. No, we still don't have a handle on the education system. <laughs> I, I don't know what, how do we even get into fixing the education system? We're supposed to have an education secretary that this does this, and it doesn't seem to be working out. But, you know, it's, it that's is. neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sort of from all of that and from helping organizations get a handle on this thing, called uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, I got into organizational health and wellness and really what makes it great to be part of an organization, what makes for a healthy organization, what makes for healthy team members and sort of this whole area of uh, organizational wellness came into it. And then you put over all of that uh, the pandemic that we've all been living through. And then you put over all of that, the racial awareness and reckoning that really, you know, for, um, through a lot of, of tragic reasons, really, I think the conversation got crystallized and, and a sea change happened on May 25th of 2020 when George Floyd was murdered. And and the conversation shifted from, you know, that's one bad cop to we've got a systemic problem here. And, and so you put all of this together and really looking at 
what's happening to people inside of organizations who are living with all of this uncertainty and all of this upheaval and all of this reckoning and and this area around uh, organizational health and wellness really started bubbling up as as something really important to focus on. So, I mean, we're seeing this now, not just at the corporate CEO level, but we're seeing it at the local McDonald's. You know, we're seeing it everywhere that we have to incorporate, we have to merge together as one people. I have, I have a friend named Claude Silver, um, who is the chief heart officer. Isn't that the best title ever? She's the chief heart officer. Uh, for a global corporation. She's the number two person in the company. And, and she sent out a, um, a posting yesterday on LinkedIn about our opportunity to come together hand in hand as we're moving into 2022. And, and I think that you know, that that kind of an idea is so important right now. I mean, we are at a place, I, I was doing a little bit of reading before uh, we started talking today, and one in four workers say that they plan on leaving their job when the pandemic is over. Mm -hmm. One in four. And... A recent study said that 82% of employees would consider leaving their job for a more empathetic organization. And I don't know if I'm right about this, but my gut says that this idea of an empathetic organization, this idea didn't really exist two years ago. That people no, were didn't. thinking about, you know, is is my company, is my organization empathetic? Are, are we really thinking about and feeling ourselves into somebody else's experience, which is what empathy is? Um, and, and I think it's created, you know, two years ago, the idea of corporate wellness was, well, maybe we pay for people to have a gym membership, or maybe we have yoga and, you know, the, and they were good ideas. Yeah. But it was all a focus on me as an individual, how, do, how am I healthy, as opposed to us as an entity together, how are we healthy, and a transformation, a, a transformative shift from thinking about personal wellness to really having wellness be an organizational mandate. That right, right. That your company should be a family. If you look at your company as a family, I mean, that's what we do at my company. We're a family. So if one of our family members is having a hard time with something, ABC, whatever it is, right. what can we do to help the family member? And that idea, I think, has existed in many different kinds of organizations, but really mostly in like small family-owned, mom-and-pop in the nonprofit world. Like that that was more of the way that organizations thought. And I think that there's a shift happening. Yeah, now bigger organizations are taking it on. 
let's see, I worked in McDonald's e eons ago, it feels like, <laughs> you know, and it was, how can you, the individual, yep. work for the, in for the company and lose a complete identity? Because you're not supposed to have an identity when you're working right. at McDonald's. Yep. It, but you're supposed to smile, just be, be, be friendly, be outgoing, and keep all your opinions to yourself. <laughs> well, and if we think about it, in mm -hmm. most organizations, certainly when I was coming up, mm -hmm. that's how it was. Like, you check yourself at the door. Whatever is happening in your life, in your personal life, mm -hmm. you leave that at the door. And then you come and you are Janine the worker, yeah. not Janine the person. Right. And we have realized, you know, over, thankfully, over the last couple of decades, that's actually not, that's actually not the way that humans work. We are, in fact, one integrated being. Right. We're not a bunch of robots. <laughs> <laughs> we have tried to keep, create robots into people over the last couple of decades, and a light bulb just lit up and said, oh, wait, being a robot doesn't work no more. <laughs> right? So what do we do? We have robots doing the work for a person and get rid right. of the person, or we start embracing the individual and going, oh, they have ideas. Maybe having an all black building that looks like a prison isn't the best for marketing. <laughs> and isn't the best for productivity and isn't the best for innovation or creativity or, you know, all of the things that bring out the best mm -hmm. in people. And one of the things that's been so fascinating to me, you know, as we think about organizational wellness, as we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, as we think about emotional intelligence, you know, all of these things that um, before the last 10 years or so, were really not that much of an initiative inside of organizations, certainly some organizations, uh, it's been important, but mainstream general organizations, not so much if we really tell the truth. And all of these things make a huge difference to the bottom line. When we have a diverse organization of peoples and experiences and perspectives and educations and races and languages and all of the richness of humanity, we get better ideas, we relate to our customers better. We, you know, it just like that makes us a more profitable company. When we care about the health and wellness of our people in an empathetic and genuine way, people perform way better and our profits go up. Like there's a direct connection between thinking about these things, worrying about these things, investing in these things and our bottom line profits. Right. If you want to increase your bottom line, you have to have happy employees. Amen, sister. I mean, seriously, it's that simple. If you have happy employees, happy employees will increase your bottom line because when you smile, they smile and they smile to the what? The customer. <laughs> right. And the reality is like, if you've got a customer service rep on the phone, if they're on zoom, if they're in person, mm -hmm. however it is, 
you can hear it when somebody is smiling at you. Like it just, it comes across in their voice, in their tone. You know that they are really listening and that they care about you. And that's what builds customer loyalty. Exactly. If you go onto a phone call, you call, contact a customer service rep mm-hmm. through ABC company and you have the customer service rep and they don't sound like they're hearing you. They don't yep. want to be there. You can hear it. And then you're just getting frustrated as a customer. Now, versus if you have a happy customer service rep and they're engaging you and they're talking to you and actually listening. Now, whatever the problem is, isn't that bad. I mean, I, as you were talking, I was remembering back to this experience. And fortunately for whatever company this is that I was calling, I can't remember what company it was, but the rep kept saying, is there any other way that I can provide you with excellent service today? And I kept getting more and more pissed off because they weren't providing me with excellent service. They were not helping me with my problem, but this was clearly what they were just trained to say. And so she kept saying it and it kept making me more and more angry. And so when we get people off of a script, when we get people, when we empower our people to actually listen to the concerns of customers, and respond to the concerns of customers as a person, as opposed to as a robot with a script, it's gonna go so much better. And we're gonna build that customer loyalty. And the way that we do that is by actually caring about and empowering and training our people well. Right, you have to train, that's a big thing. You actually have to train them for their job. We can't assume that we take a 16 year old off the street and they know how to use your program for your IPO, but you know, you have to train them. It takes a couple of weeks, be patient, they'll get it, <laughs> you know? And you know, this is a problem I, that is so prevalent right now because mm-hmm. of the challenges that it seems like everybody is having in retaining and recruiting top talent. Like you go to McDonald's or you go to a fancy restaurant or you call customer service for ABC company, or you call, you know, a senior person at ABC company. And so it doesn't matter where, where you're trying to go or who you're trying to deal with. So many people right now are brand new at their job because we're having so much turnover. Mm -hmm. And when organizations are not investing in training people well, then the customers really notice. Right, you have to start small. You have (laughs) to actually take the time to train your employees. Now, when I was started off at the first McDonald's, I had training at every position. So it works two weeks at every position with a new trainer. And they actually told you how many pickles go on a sandwich and go into this detail. Now, years later, go work at another McDonald's, same, Uh same, same organization, same organization. This is the sandwich. This is what you put on it. Figure it out. That is how much training I had (laughs) at the second time. I was like, did they train the trainer? Right. (laughs) I mean, you're not training the trainer. 
and the trainer's put between and you, how do you know if you're making the sandwich right? If you go to a McDonald's here in Ohio versus California, it should be the same sandwich. Right. That's part of what fit. we as the consumer count on. Yes, that's what we, you know, regardless that's the of the brand where, we bought. Yeah, doesn't matter if it's Heinz ketchup, it doesn't matter <laughs> if it's McDonald's, Dairy Queen, put it in your company name. But if you're not training the same at this location as you are across the country, your customer service, you're going to get a lot more complaints. And then that's just going to end up impacting. I mean, it's going to end up impacting your bottom line, but it's going to end up impacting the, your ability to retain people mm -hmm. because goodness knows if I'm making sandwiches at McDonald's, I want to know that I'm doing it right. I want to know that I'm doing it well. I want to know that I'm doing a good job. You know, here in California, everybody's now making 15 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. I just heard a statistic to replace somebody at $15 an hour mm -hmm. costs 10 grand. Mm -hmm. So any entry level person out there, if we lose them, just to replace them, we're going to spend $10,000. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to make that $10,000 investment in training them up front exactly. to do their job well? Exactly. You don't, it doesn't matter what your company is. If you're not training, you're losing money. Yep. Because the person that's going to say two weeks, um, maybe two months, if they're not trained right, they're not happy. They're not going to stay. Your overhead, your turnover rate is going to be so high. And yep. then your bottom line is what? <laughs> and then I want to get up on my other training soapbox. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the other epidemic thing that happens is ML, you're so good at your job. You're doing an amazing job in this role. We are now going to promote you to manager. Go for it. Yeah. We give you no training in how to manage anybody. We don't help you figure out how to project manage. We don't help you figure out how to manage people. We don't help you figure out how to deal with tough conversations that managers need to have. None of it. We say, you're awesome at your job. We're going to promote you up. You're excited. You get a raise. Now you are managing all the people who used to be your peers with no support and no training. And 91% of managers have never been trained how to manage anybody or anything. Yep. And um, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I started my, my company is to help, help train managers how to do a good job. Um, because is, most people just don't know. No, you're not, not trained. Okay, if you think about any fast food place, how many fast food places have 16 year olds as the manager? <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of them. <laughs> I, I mean, think about this here for a second. So you have a 16-year-old who's in high school right. that can't manage taking their uh, dog out to, to walk. Now managing people <laughs> that don't know how to interact with people. Right. And they probably don't know how to do scheduling. They don't understand payroll. They don't understand ordering. So you right. run out of things constantly. There's a whole downhill effect here. Oh man, see, I've just gotten the answer. My husband is a huge fan of a chicken sandwich 
at a chain restaurant that I will not name. Mm -hmm. um, and I have not understood how they can run out of the spicy chicken sandwich all the time. He will ask me to stop on my way home, pick me up a spicy chicken sandwich. Sure, honey, I would be happy to. No, they have no spicy chicken sandwiches. How is this possible? It's possible, ML tells me, because there are 16 year olds who are running the damn ship. <laughs> yes, this happens. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a name place. It doesn't matter if it's a mom and pop restaurant. It doesn't matter. You put your 16 year old in charge of ordering. And the first restaurant I was a manager to, the first time I did ordering, I was like, uh, show me what I'm doing. How many cans of this do we go through a week on a low end? How many cans do we order on a high end? I had the intelligence enough to ask the questions. Why? Because I didn't want to be the one that said, you don't order enough stuff. Well, right. so my first order was actually overstock because they wouldn't tell me how much we use. If you don't know your yields, regardless if it's food or clothing, how many shirts do you sell in a week? How many dresses, how many shoes, whatever the product is, yep. you're either gonna have overage or you're gonna be short. And if you can't, you know, let's set ourselves up. <laughs> Let's set our world up, but like at the very least, let's set ourselves up mm -hmm. for success so that, you know, we can, we can have things function well. I mean, my, my purpose on the planet, I have decided, I have proclaimed, uh, is to have the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. And I'm not going to achieve that in my lifetime. That's a big goal. And so my goal is to get as close to that as I can and to enlist as many people in my campaign as I can along the way. And that so if we can purposeful. make easy stuff easy mm -hmm. and routine stuff routine, and remember that when we promote 16-year-olds, like they're going to need some help. <laughs> I mean, remember who you were when you were 16. I was a big hot mess when I'm 16. I know I'm 57 and I'm still sort of a big hot mess, but at least I know what I know and I know what I don't know. I know the right questions to ask. Exactly. When we're 16, we don't know any of that. No, we don't. We don't know to ask how many pickles go on this. We don't know how many, how to order a truckload of merchandise. We don't know how to do uh, inventory. We don't know how to do scheduling. You know, we have to be taught. Yep. You can't just throw someone in a deep end. Because you might have an employee A, employee B, that cannot work on the same shift for whatever reason. Right? They're both good employees if they're separated. If they're together, yep. they could be at each right. other's throats or just <laughs> talking to them so much that nothing gets done. Exactly. I mean, and, right. I mean, and, and it takes some time to learn that as <laughs> humans and to learn how do we how do we negotiate that and how do we help people you know and and how do we have the conversation with those two people about either you can't you can't poke each other's eyes out or you can't talk all the time like neither one of those are actually great i'd rather you talk all the time than poke each other's eyes out given given an option but really neither one are good right. um cuz we're mean, paying you to do a job 
Exactly. You're there to work, but at the same time, you have to have enough training to enjoy what you're doing, yep. to actually be productive in what you're doing, and to be organized. Isn't that a wonderful word to be organized in the job? <laughs> One of the other things that I love helping organizations think about is, so what's your what is your organizational mission? I just said what my personal mission is, and it's the mission of my company to have the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. You know, so if you own a McDonald's franchise, what's your mission and what's your vision? And then how does the guy who's cleaning the floor or the girl who's flipping the burgers, how, how does their job connect into whatever your mission is? If your mission is to provide everyone with food at an inexpensive price, if your if your mission is to spread happiness through food, if your mission is every meal with a smile, like there's many missions that you can have as a McDonald's franchise owner. And so what's yours? Right. And then how does that connect to the work that everyone is doing on a daily basis? But here's the thing. If your mission is just to make money, you have the wrong <laughs> mission. Amen. I don't know how many business owners I've talked to. Their mission statement is to make more money. Yep. That is the wrong mission. Yep. And, and, and it's, well, it's the wrong mission because it's not going to enroll anybody in what you're up to. No. Like you want to make more money for you. Fine, I guess. But like, what is in it that's bigger than you? And if you can't figure out anything that's in it bigger than you, you're doing the wrong thing. Right. If your mission is to employ X amount of people to get them into a stable work environment, to have an income, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Support their families yeah. to make their lives better. Great. Yeah. That's a fine mission. Yes. But if it's just to make you money, you have the wrong mission statement. I tell yeah. the, the authors, why do you write as an author? Are you writing because you enjoy it and you want to share the stories? Or do you write the book because you want to make a million dollars? I write because I have stories of organizations and great successes and mm -hmm yeah, this didn't quite go so good. And so then we have some lessons that we can learn along the way as part of my campaign to make the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. Your, like, your books are connected to everything else you do. But amen. if you were saying, I'm just going to write this book because I wanted to sell a million copies and make a million dollars <laughs> in a realistic <laughs> world, is that going to work? Probably not. Probably not. Who wants to buy that book? Who wants to buy the book that the only point of is to line somebody else's pocket? Right. I want to buy the book that's going to inspire me, that's going to challenge me, that's going to be fun and interesting and have great nuggets in it. Like even if I'm reading a ridiculous romance thriller, James Bond thing, like I want there to be stuff in it that's interesting and fun and that connects to my brain and my heart and all of that stuff. If I'm only writing it to make money, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be so bored to write a book that's just for me to make money because I'm not going to be feeling it. Exactly. I'm going to be feeling that book that's a story in my head that's gripping and entertaining and, you know, has a meaning behind it. 
Amen. But we are almost out of time. So where can our listeners, our viewers, our corporation find you to get your insight and help? Thank you for asking that question, ML. So people can find me at www.janinehamner.com. So that's J-A-N-I-N-E-H-A-M-N-E-R.com. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn, where I'm also Janine Hamner, but add Holman, which is my married name, H-O-L-M-A-N. And I would love to hear from you. We need more of you into <laughs> businesses. <laughs> we, if 2020 has taught us nothing, if we are not expanding, we're not thriving. Well, we have to expand properly to thrive properly. I mean, it's great to explode as a business overnight, but you also have to train your people. Amen, sister. This is, this is what it's all about. Let's let, let us go together, holding hands into 2022 and empowering everyone so that really we can all thrive. Yes. It's not just about the CEO thriving. It's about the janitor thriving in what they do. Right about the guy who's cleaning the floor in the hospital knowing when I clean the floor I'm helping my patients heal faster mm-hmm. not I'm just cleaning the floor right so how can we make those connections to have work that is meaningful regardless of what our job title is exactly it's not the CEO it doesn't matter if that's your CEO do you know how to run being a janitor? Do you know how to change that trash compactor? Do you know what steps you need to train your people? Right. And let's get them trained up. Very much so, because I'm so tired of 16-year-old managers that have their own (laughs) training. (laughs) But thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, Thank you, ML. I really appreciate it. It's been a joy. And for our listeners and our viewers, please contact Janine. Thank you. Thank you. And we're out. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, you're so welcome. This was so much fun. I will probably be in contact for with you to, con- to uh, train my managers. Great. <laughs> I would love to do it. We're hiring 200 new employees within the next three months. Oh my God. So tell me more about your business. I am a publisher, okay? Okay. I'm going from desktop publishing into full-scale publishing. So that means printing, distribution, editing, everything. Mm -hmm. So there's like 200 new employees. Some of these are going to be uh, virtual. Some of them are going to be in factory because not everyone wants to be in a, fat, in a building all day long. We, we seen this with 2020. So yep. now I have to teach my managers uh-huh. how to manage people. I would love to help support you doing that. I will probably be in contact or my CEO will. <laughs> awesome. So that's coming in the very few short weeks. Awesome. So thank you. Uh, this has been a joy. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Great. You too. Bye-bye.